Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and as you know, on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. We share their stories so that they can shine, but guess what? When they shine, that gives permission to other women to own their stories and shine as well. Today's guest is Jennifer Willie. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been getting your newsletter long before I met you. So happy to have you, Jennifer. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I feel the same way. I'm thrilled to be a part of this. Awesome. Awesome. So I know all about you. I was introduced to you by a mutual friend. We both love her. She does great things for the world. A little shout out to Christy Wallace at Elevate. Let me ask you, Jennifer, why don't you tell my audience all about you and the wonderful work that you do? Okay, well, thank you so much for your kind words just to get us started off. And I am thrilled that we were connected through Christy, and we'll have to give a shout out to Jennifer De Silva as well at Berlin Cameron, who's also the founder of the Connect for Women program to help bring women together so that we can grow each other's networks and all thrive and advance together. I think that's how Christy and I had gotten connected. So I like to give credit where it, where it uh, deserves to be. That's uh, awesome. So I have to say Jennifer and I are friends on Facebook and that is exactly, so Christy connected me to Jennifer who then connected me to you. So you're right. Big shout out to Jen De Silva. <laughs> And that's what it's all about. It's about helping each other along in our journey. Not only do we get where we want to go that much faster, but it's a lot more fun in the process. You bet. Um, so uh, a little bit about me. So I have had a really interesting journey and career. Uh, I started off as a journalist. I was a TV news anchor and reporter. Uh, I had spent time then in consulting, working for PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then over the course of 20 plus years, led a variety of sales, strategy, and marketing roles at innovative, evolving companies from Yahoo, WebMD, AOL, uh, and many others uh, over the course of that time. And what I finally recognized was after, quite frankly, I had some bad health news all in one fell swoop. So many things that I thought, oh gosh, which one do I even start researching first? I had that aha that the things that I really enjoyed the most for my work was helping other people achieve their potential and identifying what are those things that hold them back and how can they put very actionable plans in place to start being more fearless at work and in life. And it was at that point I said, you know what? I don't know how much time I get and whatever the gift of time that I have on earth, I want to make sure that I'm putting the time and passion and energy that I put into my work to put that towards something that will truly help other people feel like they can achieve their potential. You know what, Jennifer, you are, you are, I just read your, so people who know me know that I'm obnoxiously fired up, like <laughs> the speed of Susan is not for everyone, but then I read your newsletters and I'm even more fired up. I'm like, she, she fortifies me. She lifts me up. She gives me tools and techniques and she helps me learn how to apply new and different ways of thinking of things that help us to become a more equitable world. So I love what you do and I can feel the passion in what you do, even in the written newsletter, the electronic newsletter that I get. So I'm so happy to hear your voice, have you on the show today. Um, let me ask you something. It's been crazy times lately, right? So yes. yeah. What has this sparked in you perhaps? 
So for me, it's actually been one of those moments where, again, you realize you get to pivot and focus on the things that matter most. I think for all of us, we realize that, again, the time that we get is short. And I've been really focusing a lot in the work that I do of helping people understand how do you respond to fear and to change and recognizing how they're feeling right now, because most of us don't feel like ourselves at all. And so one of those things that we focus on quite a bit is around how do you understand how everything from the pandemic to Black Lives Matter movement to how this changes people's families is to think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how for most of us and probably anyone and everyone who listens to your incredible podcast are those kinds of people who are at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you remember that concept or don't from a psychology 101 class, (laughs) it's that there are different levels of needs that we all have. And so you start at the bottom with those physiological needs of needing air and to sleep and water. And guess what? We need to be able to excrete, which is why when the pandemic first happened, everybody ran out and stocked up on toilet paper. And (laughs) then you get more to that um, safety level. And then there's love and belonging and then self-esteem. And at the very top is self-actualization, which is where a lot of your listeners probably are normally, where you are trying to be the most creative, impactful person and challenging yourself to do more and be better. And so when the rug gets pulled out from under you, like it has with everything that we've gone through in 2020, it's almost like you fall down to the bottom of that hierarchy. And now you're just focused on how do I get fresh air for my kids? And how do I make sure that I'm not wiping after the bathroom with a quesadilla? And (laughs) and then just getting to the point of saying, okay, now I have that settled and we have food and we have paper towels and sanitizer. And then you start, I like to think of it as like climbing back up that ladder. And that next level of the ladder is around physiological safety. And for so many of us, um, it is, it's actually been, I believe, why this might be the time that we have a major shift and change when it comes to Black Lives Matter, because for the Black community, they have not felt physically safe or emotionally safe for their entire lives. Generational, but, yeah. Right, absolutely. But it's all the rest of us who are not in the Black community who have historically hadn't shared that same sense of fear around our safety. And now for the first time, everyone's in the same place. And so that's why I believe we've seen such a movement happening and people opening their eyes and recognizing that they have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and we all have to speak up for each other. It's like been a big wake up call. And I hope that we, um, I know I for one am taking action. I know you're taking action. Um, I am prompting the, you know, patriarchy to take action. Um, it, it's, it's well beyond time, well beyond time. Well, let me ask you, you have done some remarkable things in your career. Um, what has been perhaps your proudest professional accomplishment? I would say, when I was at WebMD, it's actually proud because I helped other people, but proud because it was that uh, light bulb that went off for me. But when I was at WebMD, uh, 
I had a wonderful experience there in many ways, but there were some things that were not about creating a gender equitable environment and lifting everyone up. And I'm not gonna go into detail on that, but I will tell you, I had this moment where I felt like, I don't know if I can do everything I can here as a woman. And I had that, you know, that, that intersection we all get to. And I said, okay, I can either let this bring me down or I could leave, or I can start to make a change here. And so at the time the company did not have any type of women's leadership program or network or affinity group or ERG or anything that was in place. And so I went to HR, I went to our CEO and CFO and basically said, this is an investment that we need to make in the women of this organization to change the culture, both for women and for leadership to understand what are those things that we could and should be doing. And so I, uh, I was the founder and chairperson of the Women's Leadership Network that we built. We started in the US, we rolled it out globally. We pulled together a steering committee of other incredible women and some male allies to help us along the way. But nice. one of the that was most interesting about that was not only how it impacted other people, because I had heard some wonderful things, but one of the first workshops that we did, we brought in a speaker and she talked about imposter syndrome, which up until that point in my career, I had never heard of imposter syndrome. And you as I, have, you, you do not suffer with that, do you, or did you? Oh my God, I, well, I had suffered tremendously throughout my entire career, but I didn't know it until that moment sitting in the audience and hearing her talking about things, oh, she knows my secret. Yeah. And so it's just, it, it was an amazing moment for me because it also, that really started my path to fearlessness of understanding that once you recognize what's holding you back, all you have to do is uh, put a plan in place and then practice that plan. So just because you have been experiencing the world in one way in the past does not mean that's what your future needs to look like. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let me ask you this. So I, I have to say, I probably suffered that. I know it sounds bad when I say I don't recognize it. I actually have suffered the opposite where I didn't, I felt confident I could do something, especially at a young age. I was perhaps you know, overly confident, but didn't recognize it as that and thought I could do anything. You know, I was raised believing I'd do anything. Well, I got lots of pushback and mostly from women, which is why I so appreciate women like you and Jen and Christy, because you understand it's important to lift others as you rise and that as we become more secure in ourselves, we act out of love and not fear. So we're happy to promote other women and we're happy to shine a light on other women. But as a younger person in the professional world, I mean, I was a VP at States at a large company when I was in my 20s. And, you know, the people who would chastise me most were women who were mimicking men in order to be successful. So I'm so glad that you had that experience where you were sitting in the audience and, and the light bulb went off um, for you because look at all the great things you've done since then. Let me ask you this. Have you um, had someone you would consider your mentor? Uh, well, yes, I have a number of people that 
I have had as mentors along the way. And what's interesting is I think for most of us, we'll have, especially for women, we'll think that mentors should be women who are ahead of us. And the reality is it's so important to have a varied group of mentors, men and women, um, those who are like you and who are completely unlike you. Yes. Uh, different age ranges, peer mentors, so other people who are about the same place in your, their career as where you are, but who can give you that external perspective and be your truth tellers. Uh, and then mentees or protégés as well. Uh, I, I feel like I've been incredibly lucky that I've had a number of people along the way um, who have challenged my thinking. And that actually, looking back when I started researching imposter syndrome and then doing that self-discovery to understand where was that light bulb moment that went off for me. It was one of my mentors and a former boss, Tim Costelli, uh, awesome guy, who had helped me recognize that I was holding myself back because I did not feel like I was fully qualified for a role. And so I almost walked away from an opportunity of a lifetime because I said, oh, well, I'm not fully qualified, so I'll let somebody else take that on. And, and he sat me do down. That, Jennifer, it's amazing. I'm glad you had, yeah, we do that all the time. I mean, I, again, I, I think that studies show that men, uh, you know, they will apply to a job based on what they think they can do, not what they have done. And women instead judge themselves on past performance. So wow, that you had an ally that was also a sponsor. That is exactly right. And so that's what we all need, those mentors and the sponsors, the ones who you're not necessarily talking through your challenges with, but who have a very clear vision of where it is that you want to go in your career. And then can be that voice for you when you're not in the room. And so I think it's critical, especially for women, that they recognize what does this personal board of directors look like? And then how do you build those relationships in a meaningful and authentic way so that they can help you get to where it is that you want to go? Because sometimes, it, you know, we're our own worst enemy telling us these horrible stories in our own head that we would never say to a stranger and we probably punch somebody in the face if they said that to one of our closest friends. Right. But we'll tell ourselves that crap all day long. Exactly. Let me ask you this. I know that you spend your life focused on this question or the answer. You live the answer, I should say. How can women support other women in business? Just even if it's something small. Well, first and foremost, we all have to shift our thinking from this tokenism concept of there will only be one woman invited to the meeting. And so I need oh. to make sure I'm the woman who's invited. I, I think that has been a big part of why this has happened in the past, because it's true. It would be generally men and they'd be like, oh, I guess we need to have a woman there to represent. And so they'd pick one woman to represent. And I do believe that that's part of what fostered that infighting yes. with women. Because you'd be like, I want that seat at the table. I need to position myself as the best one of the choice. So Jennifer, uh, I teach a lot on muted group theory. And then I talk about women need to cut this crap. Quit clawing at each other to get one of the two spots at the top. Let's claw the operating system to create more spots at the top. I love that. You are absolutely right. And so it's that um, mindset of abundance and saying, okay, we can all be successful and we're in this together and let's 
lift each other up as we go that will really start to change the game. Because otherwise, the, the truth is, if we are the token at the table, our voice has absolutely no power. As I'm sure you know, there's right. research that shows, it's when you have three people who are in that marginalized community that are all singing from the same playbook or, or who- You need a positive. Different opinions. But yes. they say, oh, there's three women. Oh, I guess all women don't think alike because they, each have their own perspective, that's when change happens. Imagine that, the women who think, period, and women who think differently. <laughs> Hello. Love it. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you this. So um, I have a habit of saying, well, let me ask you this. My listeners always tease me because I say, well, let me ask you this. <laughs> but that's a, a prompt for the next question. And I've, I'm eager to hear this because I believe when you share your challenges, and how you overcame them. People can relate to you. When women come on and just talk about all the good things in their life, the listeners can't always relate. So I asked this question with purpose. Can you tell us a big challenge or setback and how you overcame it? Yes, and, and, and I couldn't agree more. I think that um, understanding what are the hardships is, is and, and what you do can be the big game changer. And I'll say, I think my biggest challenge was that for many years, I knew that I was not happy doing what I did. And I felt like it wasn't the reason that I was put on this earth, quite frankly. And I kept telling myself, well, now someday I will start my own business and I'm going to do something that's more meaningful and feels closer to my sense of purpose. And someday I'll do this and someday I'll do that. But the problem was, and I'm being completely open right now, I was being paid too well in a job that while I worked a lot, it didn't feel like, you know, I'm not digging ditches or working in the coal mines. Like this is much easier. It's just intellectually difficult. And I was the sole breadwinner in our family. And wow. so I felt like, how can I take that risk and do something that I feel like I can make a bigger difference. I think I'll be happier. I think it'll give me more of the balance I'm looking for in life. How can I possibly do that? And I kept, I, I put a number in my head and I said, when I'm 52, I am going to do that. And then what happened were two things at the same time. First, I went to a funeral for a friend of mine who was 52 years old. Oh. And I realized that that day may never come. And so why am I throwing away the time that I know that I have? And secondly, I got the greatest gift I've ever get, been given in my life, which is for the first time in my career, I was laid off. Oh, I get um, that. I hear that. You were free to do was, what you were meant I to was do. free, exactly. And it was like that moment of, okay, well, do I just immediately try to find the next thing that could possibly happen or not. And, and I'm going to be completely honest again, because I think it's important for your audience to hear this. I told myself, I am going to do something now that is mission driven and following my purpose. I'm going to start that business. And I'm going to do it. And then while I was still, you know, had a few months left before I was officially out of my company that I was um, part of a, a severance package for, I got an offer to be chief business officer for a health tech company. Nice. And I convinced myself that that was close enough to being this mission-driven role that I wanted, but I knew in my gut that was not what I was supposed to do. 
But again, it met all yeah. my criteria. Oh, yeah. I make a good income and I'll have offices in my home and in San Diego, California. And, nice. <laughs> and it checked a lot of these boxes for me. Yeah. And so I took it. And almost immediately, I was like, what the hell did I do? Yeah. I, I had girl, let me tell you really quickly. I, when I finally had the courage to leave a job I should never have been in, I found on my hard drive a resignation letter I had written three months into the position. <laughs> I just never sent it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you you, you got to post that up and, and, and share that with, with your community because um, I think it's, it's a good reminder that sometimes you, you have to identify what is that letter going to look like and yeah. then I send it so that you can take the leap, right? Yeah. Take yourself off the cliff. Um, I so I, a year, a year too long in that position, knowing all the while it was not a right fit for me. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and maybe just maybe during that time, it only helped bring you more clarity of what was going to be the right fit, and gave you it a brought me bit to where I am now. I use I use that experience as an example of what not to do. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. So um, I always ask the audience, tell me a little something surprising about themselves that maybe even their own circle doesn't realize. Um, so can you tell me something surprising about you? Uh, well, if it's really surprising, I, I'll share a fun one. When I was a child, I was on a TV show called oh, Child Play. Fun. Uh, it was a game show similar to, it was actually on right before Pressure Luck back in the early 80s. And I was not chosen because of my beauty and intellect. Oh. I was chosen because I sort of look like the love child of Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber and sounded like Fran Drescher in The Nanny. I was the oh most... My God. <laughs> Y'all, she's beautiful, but you're cracking me up. That's oh, yeah. I was like the most awkward, ugly looking kid with these big buck teeth and terrible fee mullet hairdo. And I would grow up <laughs> in Staten Island, New York. And I had the worst accent you could have. A fee mullet. I've never heard that before. I'm dying laughing. Oh my God. I have to reuse that. You crack me up. You're so amazing. Look, we have to go soon, but before we do, I want you to share two things. I want you to share about wet cement and I want you to share how people can reach you. Wonderful. Well, um, yeah, so wet cement is focused on helping people unlock fearlessness so they can unleash growth. Love and it. We, we have programs that we've built around what we call our five fearless fundamentals. And this is based on original research that we've done in partnership with a team of behavioral scientists from Wharton, as well as a landscape analysis of all the greatest academic literature that's out there for the last century. And those fearless fundamentals are on confidence, connection, communication, control, and courage. Love um, we have three different flavors of the program that we do. There's the core fearless growth program. We have fearless growth for sales, uh, for anybody who's in a sales or business development role, and then fearless growth for women, which we call advanced women at work. 
You're um, so awesome. Listen, I get your, uh, I don't know which one I, I get the newsletter. I know that. And I'm fired up and fearless. And it, it, it literally, it literally has prompted me to do great things. So just reading it, getting, I kind of get engaged in it. Like it's not just reading something from the outside in. Your voice is so compelling, even in the written word, that it makes me feel like I can do bigger, better, more. So I do. I do bigger, better, more. And I can thank you for that. So we need to sign off. I want to make sure that you're able to share how people can reach you. And I want the audience, as always, those who follow me know, I'll write a blog about you and include your contact info. But for those who are just listening, how can they reach you? Well, thank you. Uh, first and foremost, you can come check out Wet Cement uh, website, which is wet-cement.com. And that's where you can get lots of resources that we have, certainly learn about the programs that we do. And we also do a series of videos called Fearless in Five, which are short snackable tips, two minutes or less, on ways that you can be more fearless at work and in life. And of course, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and LinkedIn, of, of course, and uh, would love to have, and YouTube. So would love to see you all there and, and be able to help your incredible audience be more fearless. And a, such a big thank you for having me as a part of this. I truly appreciate it. You're the, uh, look, I need to be thanking you, sister, because you have helped me do some great things. And I love having a community, a sisterhood and, and resources and people I can reach out to and be vulnerable with and ask a question of, and, you know, even, even shine a light on something good or bad, you know, lessons learned. So thank you for being in that community. Um, we folks are going to sign off for today, but we will hear from you and you will hear from us again tomorrow. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. I truly appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.